Hello and welcome. This is Working Class to World Class. But before we go any further, I do have a little favour of you. If you could hit that follow or subscribe button, then that would be a massive help. Thank you. In this episode, I'm catching up with a really lovely chap all the way from England. He now lives in the USA, working for one of the biggest companies in the world. He started off living with his Nigerian family, who were a bundle of energy and optimism, and they always knew that he would do really well in life. Well, they weren't wrong. He started off in the financial sector, and then he realised, you know what? They weren't his kind of people. So he waved his way into media, he built his way up, and the rest is history. Breaking through the barriers of adversity. I'm Lynn Lester, and this is Working Class to World Class. So Yusuf, it's brilliant to be with you today. You're, you look as if you're somewhere quite sunny. It's, it's uh, deceptive. I'm sat in New York. It is actually raining today. The, the only good, and I'm looking this way because I have a window. Just one <laughs> I have a lot of light coming into my office so it, it whatever the weather is outside it, it kind of actually looks quite bright in here which is um I take as a huge bonus <laughs> absolutely well it's funny in Glasgow or Clydebank when I am it's yeah it's dry it's sunny it's freezing and I do have a cat at the window begging to get in but I'm going to keep her out a bit longer because she's just, she'll just get involved in this <laughs> so can you for everybody tuning in can you just tell them like who you are and, and what you do Sure. So uh, uh, I am Yusuf Chuku, uh, and I said that like it like it meant something. I am Yusuf Chuku. I um, I, I, I I I'm a, an advertising strategist. Is probably the best way to describe it. Um, I have spent my entire career, which is uh, just over a quarter of a century. I've sort of stopped counting now. It's terrible when you count it in in proportions of a century. But anyway, it's you look so young. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh, uh, I, I, I sit at NBC Universal um, in the ad sales and partnerships division. I, I run a team of strategists, researchers, analysts, um, all of whom are, are really there to help um, our clients understand the marketplace a bit better, understand like the opportunity that exists for their brands and help, hopefully kind of help them make their advertising as effective as possible. Wow, that sounds really impressive. So I know that my family tuning in will be like, oh my God, this guy is like really important. <laughs> so, I mean, it's obviously a dream because you, you're in New York at the moment as we speak. You've obviously got this global remit. You've got a team. You're working for one of the biggest brands in the world. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. But obviously you got there somehow, but you, you certainly didn't start there. So let me just, I'm going to take you off your pedestal for a wee second and I'm going to, week you back or as we say in Scotland week you back all the way to where it started so where were you brought up or actually I'll stop that where were you born I was born in North London in uh, uh what was uh well, still is Highbury but it, it, it looked very different when I was born there so I, I I um I was born to Nigerian immigrants to the UK uh so my mum and dad had both come to the UK in the 60s uh they had decided that like uh the free education system was worthy of them staying and having children there, and so uh, yeah, yeah, born born in Highbury. I, I the the uh, the thing about it though is when when I was born there, uh, uh, it, it wasn't kind of as nice as it is today. So my 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 parents had this uncanny ability to move out of what what became rapidly gentrifying neighbourhoods, and so yeah, 
uh, born in uh, Highbury. Then we moved to Stoke Newton. Then we left Stoke Newton just before it got very expensive. Anybody knows London real estate kind of realised that was another miss. And then we, uh, I ended up spending most of my time uh, growing up in Edmonton in North London. Wow, and I'm going to pretend I know where everyone is. I have no idea. If you're in Edmonton, then you're either visiting someone or you're lost. And so <laughs> there's not much. And I, no disrespect to anyone that's listening that maybe uh, is currently living there. But it's it's Edmonton. It, it like, uh, I think the... Uh, and it's not saying that we didn't have some famous people come from Edmonton. Uh, the biggest is probably, uh, uh, I think Chaz and Dave are from Edmonton. And wow. Bruce Forsyth. I think it's from Edmonton. <laughs> it's kind of Where'd it. you head on, celebs? I don't know if you ever watched Birds of a Feather. Which yeah. like a, so uh, the, the poorer sister lived in Edmonton. <laughs> there you go. You're surrounded there by famous people. Well, where I'm from, wait, 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 come from here. And uh, Kev, Kevin Bridges as well. So, uh, uh, so full of famous people. So, you know, you, you talk about where you're from, and obviously it sounds quite a humble place. So, so what was it like growing up? Like, yeah. Give us a bit of insight. It was I, 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 I mean, I, 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 I think at the time I probably didn't. I, I, you know, most of my youth was focused on get like leaving, <laughs> or and not like going very far. I just wanted to live in central London. That was like the, the, some of my yeah. aspirations. But like I, 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 I loved it. Um, in that, like it, 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 even though it took a long time, it you could still get all over London. And I think gr- growing up in London, particularly in my formative years in like the the, the 80s and 90s, it, it was like amazing. Like uh, so much, um, I think like energy. And I got to mix with lots of different kids. So I, I was a skater. And so um, I hung out with lots of other skaters, skateboarding. Um, and and I think that that allowed me to kind of meet kids that were kind of, different to me and, and lived in different areas but like it 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 taught you how to kind of I guess like navigate the world slightly differently and, and probably the 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 I talk about the the the, the biggest um not challenge but like the, the lessons growing up because because I was the son of immigrants um my home was particular you know, it was Nigeria like you close the door and we we ate Nigerian food. My parents and their friends discussed Nigerian politics. It like you know the 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 uh, the way in which we were expected to behave as kids. All, all of it was dictated by um, being Nigerian. But because I was living in North London when I left my home, like everything was totally different. And so it's like, um, what, what that means is like, you know, like the seven, eight-year-old me would be at a friend's house and all the behaviours, how they relate to their parents, everything they do was actually really foreign. <laughs> Even though I was like in the UK and I was in someone's, you know, English home, uh, uh, to me, it was very different. And so as a child, you then have to like decode that. You like have to figure out why things as are as they are and I, I think like that that you 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 learn like sort of how, how you know you learn you learn empathy you learn how to kind of um figure out people um and and understand like their motivations and behaviors and and all of which became kind of like I think probably just early training for for the job that I do today but like it, it was really I think just 
being a young child trying to figure out the world that was kind of very different to to the one that I was used to at home. So I guess that's quite unique because obviously you've got the cultural difference where your parents were from and obviously you close the door and you're in a different world, I guess, to some degree. You go out there and you're just hanging about with ordinary kids and, and as you say, it's quite different. Now, it was, it was interesting. So I did one of these, which I know you've watched, with Dave Trott and he was talking about, for him, the minute you go out your door, particularly where he lived in London, you were street smart. And you oh. had to have your wits about you. So talk me through that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, uh, I think it, it, it was, t- yes. Like without, and it's funny because I, I have kids now. And I, 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 I'm obsessed about like my son walking around New York with his headphones on. No, no idea of where he is. I was like, we, you had to see trouble from like blocks away to survive growing <laughs> up. And so we, you know, I, I you, you, you got robbed on a, I'd probably say fortnightly basis. Uh, it was, it, it wasn't, yeah. But you you kind of just accepted that it was like that. And whether it was casual violence outside of pubs or or police harassment, uh, you kind of just like, it, just how things were. And I, I got with the, it was, it, it's funny, again, only looking back on it now, realising that like, not only did we fear sort of, other kids on the street we also feared the people that were meant to be enforcing the law so kind of you were stuck wow. between a rock and a hard place actually it was just you just had to be wary of every interaction and absolutely so, yeah yeah and as you say you know you sort of live this life and you know you take it for granted because it's it's what you you only know what you know but I suppose what you've pointed out is you're slowly starting to build a lot of things that you're about to use in business, which we'll talk about in a wee second. So I don't want to go there quite yet, but we will go there in a minute. Because I'm really keen to know. So obviously from, from the Nigerian family, it's, it sounds really they sound great actually. But you know, how did you occupy yourself, like whether it be in the house or whether it be out in the street? Like what games did you play? Uh, all right. So uh uh, uh I um I guess I was kind of like alternative in a strange sort of way. So did, did lots of stuff that I guess we, um, yeah. So basically I played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and so like big AD&D, <laughs> I big AD&D, I, I loved chess. I was a big skater. And and and, and at the time skating wasn't particularly cool. So I, I, I think I managed to choose a lot of pastimes that were like the uncoolest things to do at the time <laughs> that were, uh, uh, yeah. But I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I kind of really enjoyed them. I, I, I think it was. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the Dungeon Dragons thing was about, but like, probably just the other guys that were playing. Like, we just it was it was our thing. It's how we bonded. But yeah, they were uh, 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 lots of nerdy pursuits. Oh, well, I think they're quite cool today. I mean, there's that movie, isn't there, about chess now? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like the end thing. So you're actually really <laughs> cool now. <laughs> <laughs> All the things that like we're just not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, like how things. I mean, even the idea of skating being particularly cool is. I still find it odd because we. It, it just wasn't. Our clothes weren't cool. The things we were into, and and it suddenly to it, it it being kind of co-opted by mainstream culture. Like it's been decades now, but I still it still surprises me. <laughs> But it's real, yeah. It's so fun because, like, I can't actually skate. Like, I, I'm, I wish I could, and I don't. I actually makes me feel really uncool. I've never been able to skate, and I don't know why. I just can't. Like, I'm just rubbish. I can't even ice skate. <laughs> so I've never went skiing. So I've not. I'm, I would probably have to sit in the bar where everyone else went to do it. 
so, so like from your family, was it quite a big family? Did you have siblings? Uh, I did. I did have uh, two sisters. So I have two sisters. Um, my parents divorced, so my dad actually remarried. So I, I also have like another brother and sister. Um, but yeah, it it wasn't as as Nigerian families go. It wasn't particularly large. Um, but like uh, my one, probably the the biggest. Um, or the, 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 not the oddest thing, but like the the thing that kind of was probably the most impactful on 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 growing up was that my my dad um, went back to Nigeria when I must have been maybe maybe three years old. So he he went back with the intention of like setting up a business and for us to follow. So for example, I spent from like age three to. 11 or 12 waiting to go back to Nigeria um, with my dad literally coming home for like two weeks at Christmas every year and then and then going back so I never really um it it, it put kind of a, a bit of a strain on 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 that relationship um and and it, and it meant that we we took in lodgers in our house and so it it, 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 it was a um yeah it, it meant for like a, a it, it wasn't quite like a nuclear family. And then my parents obviously later divorced that that distance put a huge strain on 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 their relationship. Um so yeah, yeah, can't remember. I have no idea, like it's like most things in my youth I can kind of try trace back and kind of go, well, that that impacted this later on. I have no idea what happened there. Maybe it just made me a better dad and more present dad. But like other than that, it was a yeah, it was quite yeah, did you did your dad ever come back? He he did in the end. He did, um, but never came back to the to our house. Yes, yeah, yeah. So now he's he's back in the UK now. The business never. It, it, it's funny. I speak to other kids, other sort of like British Nigerian kids, and it it, it was a very similar story of like expecting to go back, and going back was weird because we'd never we weren't born there, so we were kind of going back yeah. to our parents' homeland. Um, but it, it like some kids, some did many didn't but it was like a very common theme yeah well it's yeah because you spend you think about it, you, you you spend a relationship like the place you are born and your home you think of as temporary for a big chunk of your youth it was never I was always like this is not obviously we're not staying this is like a temporary thing and so it is it is a yeah it's an odd way to live well you talk about having lodgers I mean I, I in one hand I think that'd be quite cool because you've just got lots of people that you could hang out with that's company but what is that really like oh it just means it just puts a huge strain on the bathroom like we, <laughs> we had we lived in a three-bedroom house one of the bedrooms was essentially a box room so it's like it, it was really large and we had um so my uh uh my elder sister was in the box room we had another two guys from malaysia in the bedroom then we had another tenant, another woman, another nurse in, 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 in the other room. And then me and my younger sister and my mother lived downstairs, essentially in a curtained off section of the living room. And so wow. it was. And yeah, we had one bathroom <laughs> and obviously one kitchen. So it was tight. <laughs> so I, I just my, my memories are more just of like smelling other people's food being cooked <laughs> and being curious what they were eating. <laughs> So what age were you when, when you were sort of sharing with your mom and your sibling? Four, five, six. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and I guess it's just normal, isn't it? It's not as if you thought it was weird. It was just what you did. And, you know, what, what was it? Was it just quite the norm? Yeah, it just it just kind of just accepted it. Like, I didn't didn't know any different. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, accepted it. It's it's uh, it's 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 not dissimilar to, like I guess, a lot of people's living situations here in Manhattan. But like it was different there. It like we it wasn't like necessarily a conscious choice. It wasn't like a, a yeah. lifestyle. It was like sheer necessity. Um, yeah. But yeah. 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 I, 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 I to this day, it's funny. It, 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 I, I, I appreciate space. I'm obsessed by like big lofts and big space just because it was such a, it was a premium, like a massive premium growing up. So always just to me, like luxury is just space. Yeah. And I, I guess it goes back to the whole survival. You do what you have to do to survive. And, and for, you know, for a lot of people, particularly working class people, wealth is all about it's not about the money it's about the warmth it's a roof over your head it's the food in your belly yeah and so so I guess your mom your mom sounds like a legend because she had to do what she had to do to make sure you had what you needed and you know for, from that point of view it sounds really nice in terms of you're all together you you know you probably found it quite exciting in different ways apart from the bathroom bit annoying <laughs> but like what, what was it like for money for you when you were younger did you have enough to sort of do luxury things or no, no, we did. We no, like the no, we. I, I um, it's it's. I, 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 my memories are always of just like I. I never used to ask my mum for anything. Like I just was always conscious that like I didn't want to put her in the position of having to say no, uh, and so you just it. it, it it's. I, I have no idea when when I learned the lesson that like. It was unlikely that we were going to be able to get certain things, but I, 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 I guess I must have learned at a very young age because you, you just grew up just kind of knowing that, like, you, you, there's lots of things that your friends had that you just weren't going to get. So even as a skater, my board was always like a hand-me-down from a friend. I would buy like their sneakers when they were kind of finished with them. <laughs> kind of go, all right, there's a little bit more wear in it. So you, it, it was, um, yeah, you just were were conscious that like yeah it, it, it was just tough and so she she worked every day and and so yeah. we we weren't like uh, it, it, there was always food on the table so I kind of always appreciated that and 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 knew like knew like you not even to take that for granted but it was it, we definitely were sort of starved of I guess some of the the luxuries um that that I know my kids live with. <laughs> Yeah, I, lucky kids. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Well, you know, there's like um, what's the um Monty Python's sketch where they're kind of talking about like how tough it was for them growing up and you know the mountains and rivers they had to swim to get to school. But like, it, 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 it's I have a friend that we kind of we we go through that and there's lots of again stuff that you didn't think of at the time as tough because it was just life. But like you look back on it now, you're like that was it was not easy. <laughs> yeah yeah how did that make you feel you know if your friends had stuff that you couldn't have how did you deal with that I it, I, I think there is um what, what's interesting about like the Nigerian mindset and, I, and it's not even maybe it's just like Nigerian immigrant mindset is that there was this eternal optimism that existed you think about like just growing up and just like we were going to go to this better life that my dad was preparing in Nigeria so you kind of have this like there is this place 
that you're getting to so you kind of you accept the kind of the, the current situation and the expectation that like there is something bigger the uh m- there is no doubt that like because my parents were originally there for the education system they also had a big belief that it was the thing that was going to open up the world to you so there is this um it's a um oh shit what's the comedian's name oh mickey flanagan he has this uh um there's this joke he tells about like ambitions at his school and all the lack of ambition and and it talks about one of the kids in his class like wants to be a van driver and everyone in the class is like laughing going joker like none of us drive gets to drive the van we're the people that carry the stuff to the van and so it was just this like there like the lack of like belief that like there is anything better for you kind of like that existed on on the street that i grew up with but in our house like the the expectation was you will go to university and you will become whatever you want to be i say whatever you would become one of five things you know doctor lawyer accountant yeah. but like it was there was this 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 belief that like that was like not even just a possibility it was kind of like your destiny and so um having having that 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 destination and 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 i guess like an optimism about what is possible like i think helps you kind of get through stuff yeah it's always about manifestation is it they talk about that what you think and what you believe as long as you put the graft in there's a really good chance and so so your mum's saying this to you which again makes it sound really cool what did she do because you said she worked and she put food on the table so what yeah. so, so I, i'm just interested to hear the lady doing a certain job is telling you this like what, what was her yeah. role so she uh when she arrived in the U- uk she went to like secretarial school which they kind of had then to learn to like do shorthand and type and stuff and then she ended up uh, at barclays bank in the city but as like essentially just like a uh, uh like a bank club but just like processing payments and stuff like that um so what, what was interesting she, she she was sat there and this was like this is like the 80s now so she's watching these like young graduates come in essentially become the yuppies of the time earning good money on the trading floor and so she was like yeah you can do that <laughs> like in fact you should definitely do that and so that it's funny that that literally became the thing i think aged 14 it was it was decided that like my future was in finance I think by by 16 I was like yeah yeah I'm going to be um a trader um and then I think by by 18 I was like yeah I'm going to trade fixed income derivatives so I was really clear about yeah no, it's like a whole thing wow. I was really clear about like this 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 life that was ready for me in 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 the city um, but it sounds like an arranged marriage but it's an arranged job you just know kind of, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so it was like so yeah, so I studied economics went to university studied economics it was like it was just uh, yeah yeah that was just like that was the path that was just it so but yeah. before you got to uni so you, you've 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 let your story out you you went to uni you did economics but before that when you were at school like, were you always good, naturally quite smart at school no uh I was very polite <laughs> and actually that that kind of got, went a long way in my school but no I um I went to a Catholic boys school in North London uh uh which was uh uh filled with um rather aggressive priests um, the in fact we had the thing called the ferula which was like a, a strap with like 
essentially studs on it. It was um, it was what they used to cane boys. And when I started, corporal punishment was still very much legal in the UK. And the the only thing that the school did is like your parents had to opt in. Oh, sorry, opt out, I should say. And so I took a form home on the first day of school and I said to them, if you sign this, they can't hit me. And she was like, well, you're a good boy, so they won't hit you, so I'm not going to sign it. Which is kind of <laughs> weird, weird logic. But like, uh, uh, it's the, the school had a whole thing where um, if you were going to be punished, like if you committed a, if you, not even if you committed, if you were suspected of it and you're going to be punished, you would, um, you would be told how many times you'd be hit, but you wouldn't be told when. And so it was like the part of the punishment was living, knowing that you were about to receive this punishment, but you didn't know when. So you'd essentially come into school and be shit scared that it was, that was the day. And anytime someone came into the class, you'd be worried that like you were going to get called. And so it was basically this awful suspense. So literally, Alfred Hitchcock went to our school many years before and he talked about like, that's where he learned about suspense, knowing that something awful is going to happen, but like not knowing when. It's kind of terrible, oh <laughs> but like God. that was that was essentially yeah that was the school. So we it was you know we had lots of um, lots of boys from all over North London. Um, the school was essentially three schools in one. So um, you uh, 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 relatively early in school you 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 sat a test and that test determined which band you were in, and depending on what band you were in. You, you had completely different lessons you were and so if you were lucky enough to be put into top band then the chances were you were going to go off and go to university and have a profession and um the middle band you were essentially um you were going to go off and you were essentially going to kind of do a sort of a manual job and and if you're in bottom band they kind of just gave up all hope it was like that bad and so it was yeah it was an odd school because you 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 wouldn't even know anyone in the other band because you wouldn't even do classes you like you know we did sports in our band so it was it was a a, a strange kind of segregated place god it sounds interesting i mean the whole suspense thing do you know it's <laughs> the modern version of that today is if you've got volatile colleagues or a boss <laughs> and you don't know what day it's going to happen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, it's, that's pure madness. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, I, 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 it's like when I, I, was, I was explaining to my son about how, like, you'd get hit by a teacher, just like a slap, like, back of the head. And he'd be like, what, 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 what would you be slapped for? And I was like, everything. I, I remember being slapped and I turned around. I was like, sir, what, what was that? And he's like, well, you're thinking about it, aren't you? And I'm like, thinking about it. It was like a preemptive punishment. <laughs> Imagine thinking yeah. at school, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I remember a kid's arm being broken, having been shoved against the wall by a teacher. I remember him coming into car in the cast like a few days later. Teacher, nothing happened. It oh was, uh, I'm never quite sure even if they liked kids. A <laughs> well, prerequisite for teachers was like just a hatred of young boys. But, but you, um, don't need, you don't need to worry about getting beaten up in the playground. You, you oh, wait yeah. till you get in the class and sorted. <laughs> Came on. <laughs> I, I, I personally didn't name the school just because I, I, I thought uh, I don't want to. Uh, but it was yeah, it was it was a um, it, it was it was like good and good and bad for many reasons. I, th I think lucky enough to be sat in top band uh, was a, definitely a good thing. Um, but it was like you know it wasn't it wasn't the um, wasn't the best school in the world. No. Geez, what toughened you up anyway? I mean, I think the thing is as well, you probably were more fearful of your your mother, like not not like 
going along with her wishes, really building a career. And you probably didn't, I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I guess you didn't want to let her down. You were like, okay. Oh, you know. oh. well, the, yeah, because there is the, 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 the implicit understanding that like everything that she has done, her whole life has been about giving you an opportunity. So the idea of squandering that and essentially kind of going everything you've done since the day you arrived in the UK is kind of wasted. It's just like, yeah, that, that, that weighs on you. Yeah. So you are kind of conscious of the expectation. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's where, you know, immigrant parents, that's where they, they see the opportunity because I've traveled the world to come here to give you, you know, when they had their children to give them a chance. So I guess, you know, of, you know, that, that to me makes a, lo- a lot of sense and why you stuck in. And also, given the fact that you maybe didn't hang out in the streets and you went skating, played chess, probably gave you a bit more time to study and do all the things that you had to try hard at. To, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, but the study, I, I really genuinely wasn't that school. I was distinctly average-ish. And, but I, 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 was, I was really polite. Like, yeah. um, I, I, my report card was genuinely like, teachers saying how much of a pleasure it was having me in the class even if I was like a middling performer like I think just uh, uh, learning really early on that all oh, right if I'm just a nice kid you can like life's a lot easier yes yeah, <laughs> so manners I, when I used to get report cards it used to say you know it was it was either good or excellent it was never poor and then it was always but talks too much in class or needs to pay more attention. And having met me, I think you probably understand why that is. So you've went through this journey, right? Okay, you, you're now, you've graduated. And is it in, was it economics you graduated in? Yes, yeah. yeah. So you've done that. So so what then happens after that? Uh, so I, I was, um, at this point, I was still on the path of going into investment banking. I had done a whole load of internships and, and and it's funny because I, I I I disliked them all. Like every summer, I'd work in a different bank doing a different thing, and I hated it. But I, my assumption was that that was just what being an adult was about. Like no one actually liked their job, so I had, I didn't I didn't go in expecting to like it. And so when I didn't like it, I was like, of course not. But I I, I cowed on, and um, I I uh, there was a big there was a turning point at an interview. Uh, I think probably probably final round interview at uh, what was Morgan Stanley. Dean Witter was called at the times, like the stockbroking arm of Morgan Stanley. But like they um they asked me a very simple question, which is what what motivates you? And I gave a really long answer, <laughs> like quite a detailed answer uh, around like learning new things and overcoming of like just it, it, it I, I talked a lot. And I I remember I hadn't even finished answering, and, and I realized like these three guys were like looking at me like I was crazy. I will like their face was saying, well, what the hell are you talking about? And then finally one just goes, look, can I stop you there? And he, he said, what about money? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like money. That's, that, that motivates me. He goes, no, no, do you love money? And, and it, was, uh, um, it was odd. I, 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 it, it caught me off. It caught me by surprise. And I was kind of like, I, I was like, I had to think about it, which was obviously the wrong thing to do. And and then finally, I was like, actually, no, like, I like money, but I don't, I don't think I love money. And he was like, look, we all love money. And it's, it's the love of money that allows us to do what is necessary to make money. So he's like, if you don't love money, you can't, you can't work here, you'll never survive. And uh, 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 I remember at the time, I thought he was a dick. And I was like, but like, it was it. The, 
probably the best advice I'd ever gotten because it was like he was right. I'm like this is not this is not the world for me. I don't I don't I, I like the idea of having money and the comfort that it brings and all that sort of stuff. But I didn't and still don't. I still I just I don't love it. It's not the driving force. And yeah. so um, yeah, I, I, I had a career crisis age twenty one because suddenly all these all these plans uh, uh, disappeared and suddenly I had to make decisions about like a career which I hadn't really actually made a decision before you know just it sort of just had all just lined up so it was a yeah an odd crisis to have at a young age I was gonna say you were only 21 so you were yeah. pretty prime and it's, so it's yeah. just a side I mean obviously these people it sounds to me as if you just you know they're just not your kind of people so Frank Carter from the Rattlesnakes when I chatted to him he was saying it was for him it was all about hanging about with his kind of people the yes. people that oh. got um understood um oh t- totally I, I I remember I turned up to um Climate Benson, which is now defunct, but I turned up to one of their recruitment weekends, uh, and I, 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 I had a suit on, which I was very proud of. I just bought it; it was like brown. And again, got this is like the early nineties. I had four buttons, which I thought was super cool. And I, I turned up, and I walked into the room, and like there must have been I don't know 60, 70 other candidates, and. What threw me was I, I kind of expected that like I might be one of the few black faces there. What I hadn't anticipated was that I'd be the only person not in a navy blue suit. <laughs> in a sea of navy blue suits, I stood out with a brown suit that I was wearing. But it was like a uh, 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 visceral kind of um, a very visual representation of the fact that like I didn't, I should have read the signs there and I didn't fit in. Um, but I kind of yeah another sign I disregarded <laughs> plowed on but yeah it was very obvious that I didn't I didn't fit in and nor did I not only did I not like the people that were interviewing us I didn't particularly care for the other candidates again another bad yeah. another <laughs> indicator but what was really good is at 21 you had I guess the assertiveness to say do you know what not for me because there's a lot of people that would have went along with that and just tried to be something they're not so the fact that you didn't do that also makes you kill just like your mum so that's great <laughs> So what did you decide to do then? So you, you're not doing this kind of stuff. What career did you take? And also, how did you break it to your mother? Yeah. So that was, I, I uh, 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 there was, at the same time, there was another thing happening, which which definitely helped. So I I, um, I had met my now wife at university. And so I, I think by this point, I was sort of like, we were quite serious. But I I, uh, I remember the fact that she was, at the medical school and was going to be a doctor one of the ambitions they had for their children that never manifested but the idea that I was potentially going to marry a doctor so therefore there was going to be a Dr Chuku in the family somehow definitely like gave me a little bit of latitude to kind of rethink my own (laughs) career and so I definitely leaned into that quite heavily but I I, um it, it, it was tough because I hadn't really thought about what what I wanted to do so suddenly there, there was this like, oh, I should really like start to explore like what other jobs there might be. And then I, um, there was this guy that we knew that was a buyer for uh, a, a sort of a trendy store in London, but he 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 travelled the world buying sneakers. And uh, the, the young me, and he, he lived in this kind of warehouse space in Hoxton and he had like these two Japanese girls living with him. It was just, I never quite understood the living situation, but the the 21-year-old me was like, 
I don't get it, but it seems pretty cool. And so I was, he, he was a buyer and uh, I saw an ad for a TV buyer and I assumed it was like to buy television shows for a TV station. So I was like, well, I watch TV and his life as a fashion buyer is pretty cool. So let me try this life as a TV buyer. So I, I responded to the, 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 the ad. It was at the interview that I learned that like it wasn't buying TV shows. <laughs> it was like to buy TV airtime for an ad agency. And they told me I wouldn't be very good at it, but like I should probably look at like this thing called planning. And so I was like, all right, let me go off and look into this thing they told me to look into. And what 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 um what I was immediately drawn to was that like the idea of a planner, a, a, an ad agency, is that you it, it was a balance of like being a muse and driving creativity. So kind of like understanding the creative opportunity and helping translate that to creatives but it was also about being a like business consultant and helping brands know the opportunity for their business so it was for me it was like great i get to use the economics side of me and this 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 side of me that kind of leaned into the business world uh, at the same time i got to work with and hang out with creative people who were the people that i knew anyway all my ex-skate friends were we're now graphic designers and photographers and stuff. So I was like, oh, great. This, this agency world, I get to hang out with creatives that I hang out with anyway, and I get to utilize like my business knowledge. And and the the thing that pushed it over the line was I didn't have to wear a suit to work. I got to wear trainers or sneakers. So I was like, sold, let's do this. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is like why I decided on advertising. <laughs> It was even cooler as it wasn't hand-me-down sneakers, I bet, but it was sneakers no, no. you bought. So that was a win. <laughs> and so here's the thing, right, you know, so obviously the, the kind of bank and finance, they were a bit snobby, a bit up in sales, didn't really fit in, weren't your kind of people. So you're suddenly in advertising, you, you've kind of got mates that you know, people in that kind of genre. Were there people you came across that didn't make you feel you belonged there because of where you came from? Yeah, I... Um... It was interesting. The, the the first agency I was at, we um, I, I effectively, and I remember um, hearing, I was referred to as like a diversity hire, which was an yeah. So what, what was fascinating about it though is that it wasn't because of the color of my skin. It was the fact that I was one of the few graduates that wasn't from Oxford or Cambridge. So you go into this environment that is like it, very homogenous, <laughs> like yeah. not not only racially but in terms of class and people's origins it was you know the, the ad agency world was um yeah like oh, just kids of a certain type so you were um you were always conscious that you didn't belong the uh the, the things that you experienced at the time and again like the the, the term microaggressions i don't hadn't even been invented at this point but you it didn't mean that those didn't exist and so you'd you'd feel it every day like these odd comments um around like uh, yeah so you, you people would say like oh you don't look like a strategist <laughs> which is essentially just yeah uh, okay and so you, you'd always feel this that, that even agencies made decisions about who would work on certain business based on the client and so you just you, you were confident like they wouldn't put you on certain accounts because of how you looked and so it was yeah yeah wasn't easy 
and and then I mean, big things all like if you don't look like anyone that leads the company or any of its leaders, you 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 um, you therefore can never be considered as a potential leader of a company. And so you it, 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 you, you you do have all these things kind of working against you. And, and it's not because it's a, a creative industry, but that doesn't stop like the conservatism with a small C kind of driving a lot of things. Jeez, I mean, the thing is, it's a world, isn't it? It's a real world yeah. that we live in. And actually, yeah. it's still to an extent still oh. like that to this very day. Maybe not as bad, but it's still the same. Yeah, and still. so for you, you know, picture the scene. I'm trying to imagine what it'd be like. So obviously in the industry that we're in, in the similar industry, we go to lots of fancy do's and big ballrooms and it's flashy. Like a lot of my friends and family could never understand what that's like. So can you ever remember the first time you ever went to something super fancy? And I want to know when you walked in, what did you think and feel? Yeah, it just it's it's funny. So you know, going back, like I I I was not unfamiliar with being out of place. So you you like there was a comfort in it that like I was like, well, I'm always out of place. So this is this is just another instance of being out of place. You you um but I think there is a, it's interesting, you, you, you always, there's lots of things you, 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 that are beyond your control that, 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 that mean you stand out. So I always talk about like my, my race enters the room before I do just because of my name. So you just, you visibly stand out. And so you then end up overcompensating to make sure that you don't stand out in other ways. So I remember even at a young age, I, um, my mum was like big on us, not sounding like we were from our part of North London. <laughs> so I should sound a lot more Cockney, than I, but like it was drummed out of me. She was like, well, if you, yeah. at least if you sound different, like it will force people to um, reappraise you. So the, I, I just remember going into like, you know, big black type functions or to be honest, even just fancy restaurants. Like the first time I ate an expensive restaurant was at work. I'd never been in one. <laughs> And then suddenly you're in a, a, a work lunch, eating food that you'd never heard of, um, with utensils that you didn't really know how to use. And so I, 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 it, it, I went to great lengths to pretend that I knew what was going on. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I, you know, I'd ordered food off the menu that I'd never eaten, and then just like eat it, <laughs> despite hating it, but desperately not wanting people to kind of realise I didn't belong. And so you would just plow ahead um but it was it yeah yeah and it's funny because I, I think back to it now and you know the, the the um the past obsession that exists in the uk meant that it was immediately obvious to anyone that i had no idea but like in my mind i was like they won't notice they won't notice and so yeah 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 i just just, just yeah pretending or trying to pretend that like i knew what was going on was you know, to, to this very day and I don't know if, the, if you feel like this. To this very day, I sometimes get pangs of guilt. So when I, you know, I, I do for most of what, what I do is, is events and big award shows. And, you know, whilst it's not maybe the same as it was, it was the big fancy ballrooms, 800 people, the poshest dinners you can imagine. And actually, although I, I've done this for nearly 20 years, and sometimes I don't even know what some of the words mean either to this day, because I actually never went away and researched it. I just used to get them, see the see the name of it and go, oh, yeah, that looks nice. I looked at it on, on how it looked and how it tasted other than the name. It's like, oh, it sounds posh. Can't really say it, but yeah, <laughs> that'll do, that'll do. As long as you spell it right, I have no idea. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of go into this sort of 
yeah, yeah, this in this environment, you know, we would do tastings. You, the, when you when you're a a customer to a hotel or a venue, they fall over you and they treat you like royalty, and it's just yeah. like, oh my god. So, so I guess the point I'm trying to make is, I, f- I feel quite guilty. Now, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it; I love it. But when I'm having that dinner, I do think about my mom and dad all the years ago when they were yeah. alive, and they never, they wouldn't know what that's like. No, it's very, um, it's always top of mind that like what you're experiencing is a as a privilege. Um, like, you, yeah, ne- never, I've, I've never not felt that. Um, although at the same time, I, I did, I learned pretty early on that like, despite people's being fancy, they actually don't know a lot. <laughs> like a friend of mine, uh, he, he he had a job, um, an off license in Parsons Green like Fulham sort of area and a very nice part of London and uh, I remember being like hanging out with him in the, in the evening when he was serving customers and people would come in and ask for like recommendations for like wines and they would like tell you what they're going to eat and then expect you to kind of like suggest the wine he knew nothing about wine and I knew even less because I wasn't even working I was just hanging out with him it didn't stop us making recommendations all the time like just making shit up and but what what was worse is the people would make they should know but they didn't know, and they would just take it and go right thanks and then I remember people coming in like the following week going thanks for that it was amazing I'll take another bottle and and it was an early lesson in like ah, I don't really know either <laughs> like yeah it's and so, yeah yeah I I, I just it, it, it I, I definitely became less intimidated by people yeah. It's, so you know obviously I mean you're obviously NBC now which is I mean it's a cool like cool company I mean do, do you ever sit there and go I work here but like all the decades ago that that was me in that house sharing it with my mom and my sibling yeah talk me through it yeah no definitely all the time all the time and uh, uh, um it, it it's more but it it that there are elements of it comes with the big dollops of guilt like i um more because i uh, uh, um i'm very conscious of the huge amount of luck that 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 played a part like a, a, an outsized part in 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 me being where i am and so the the, the guilt comes from just knowing that like like the vast majority of people have been unlucky in their endeavors and so the only thing that that separates us is the luck and so uh, yeah yeah I, I sometimes feel a little guilty yeah so, i mean that's uh, true that i've had this conversation with quite a few people you know there's there is a bit i think i always believe in a bit of luck and a bit of fate but obviously i think you create your own as well and you, you were an economic graduate so you had a bit of clout in other ways you know so yeah i don't i think you're i think you you got a lot of of the path on your own and your own merit, not just the luck. I, I, yeah, and you, you you opening up my my pet subject because it, it, it's it's there is without a doubt. I, I never want to um, like to take away from the decisions people made and 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 the hard work they put in. It's just that like that just wasn't the like ninety five percent of the people I interact with every day from the uber driver to my boss they all work hard and so the only thing i can uh cling to or the only thing i can identify that separates them is just the luck that they have had along the way 
because it, it's like other than that like yeah there, there's no other reason like if, if you literally took like if you, if you paid people according to how hard they worked things would be in complete reverse <laughs> like the the, the yeah. woman that used to clean our apartment i know she had like three jobs <laughs> alongside taking care of her her kids like she worked hard and yeah. unfortunately the reality of like no matter how hard she worked her her, her situation was not going to change yeah it's hard isn't it? it's hard to see that i mean uh-huh. i guess you know one of the things that you had going for you which maybe took you beyond the lock was obviously the qualification but do you think for people coming through do you think you need to go to uni yeah, good question. I, I and I've been having this conversation with uh, some nieces and nephews. I, I um, obviously for me it was a huge factor. Um, I, 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 in 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 theory, no, you do not. Um, I, I think in practice, I think particularly for um, a lot of working class kids, um, you kind of end up having to. Like I, uh, uh, the 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 opportunities are not equally distributed, and so I I think with without a degree, well you know the, the for example now I I never realised the advantages that other kids had until I became a middle class parent. So my I, I look at like how we've raised our kids, and my my wife uh, uh, essentially had the kids in medical school from the moment they could talk because if they'd ask a question she would give a very detailed answer <laughs> and so they learn stuff like all the time it's like you could have like living with your university professor like all the time and so like wow. the amount of stuff that you, you just realize that you're you're essentially training these kids uh, yeah. they then have access to our network of other professional friends which means that like internships and job opportunities exist as a working class kid that network doesn't exist but I didn't have I couldn't speak to my mum or dad about hey can you speak to your friend that runs that ad agency and get like that doesn't exist and then um nor would they look at you and see potential because you do not look or come from the same place and so the the one thing that a, a working class kid can 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 bring is 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 at least the qualifications that says you should take me seriously um yeah. and so I, I i think for um for a lot of kids from a certain background without those those qualifications you are you you are you are entering life with like one arm tied behind your back do you know i think that's really honest of you to say that i mean i would i think another time well, let's have a chat because i think i'd maybe disagree in some of that but i think it's valid points but, you know, when, when I, ch- again, chatted to Dave Trott, who was, again, I'm, I'm amazing, he's such a good guy. He was talking about when he ran his agency, he deliberately took the rejects and rebels, as he called them, the people that nobody else wanted because he knew they had something about them. And that's the thing, I think, a lot of, and I'm not saying that middle-class people don't either, so, you know, I'm focusing on the topic. But, you know, the fact that working-class people, I think they've just got a bit between their teeth. They've got a bit of something that's a bit of a je ne sais pas. You know, it's, it's just something pretty special. So for you, if you look at being a working-class boy, you know, part of London, quite poor area, what is it about you that you've taken from your working-class roots that you think gives you that edge today? Um, I... Uh... 
never really consciously think about it. So now I'm actually thinking about it. So I, I, I think there is a, um, you, you know, just as much as you look on a lot of what you have as like a, a, a privilege and you're, you're aware of like how lucky you've been at the same time. I, I, there's a lot of things I don't fear because of it. Like I don't, I, I'm very conscious that I can live with a lot less. And so I don't, I don't live in fear of losing it. Um, I have, um, I don't, I don't live in fear of like um, uh, bosses. I, 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 um, uh, someone, I had a conversation with someone recently about imposter syndrome and uh, I was like, e even that, like, it's been a long time since I've even had tinges of that <laughs> but I, I think part, part of it is and uh, is it the working class I, I don't know but like you, you you sort of see the world a little bit more for what it is and so I I, I don't like I, I don't I don't think I, I don't look at people and think that they are um a million times smarter than me or that they like they they have some something necessarily particularly special and so when when um when you sort of see everyone as sort of the same like you don't you you you, you just feel a little bit less intimidated <laughs> yeah right and so for all the like you'll meet someone who knows a, a lot about something you don't know at the same time you you constantly therefore you know a lot that they don't like it's just that's yeah. just like and no who they are and so um it just yeah it it it, it it means it, I guess you're I don't know if it's like a risk risk taking thing as much as just like there is a confidence that comes with that um, yeah quiet confidence I think not an arrogance but a quiet confidence that, that comes with that um, yeah I think that's a really good point because yeah, it's all about you have to accept you for being you and also think remembering that not everybody knows everything although they might yeah. talk a good game yeah. people can use big fancy words as much as they like it doesn't yeah. make them you know more uh -huh. equipped and also as you said it could be a bit of luck in there as well totally and it's actually just just going back to the university thing like i had a um very good friend that like he he uh has like risen extremely high again humble background risen in his career but actually went back to do never went to university but recently did an mba and i remember asking about why he did it and and he was like because it's it's no matter how much i achieved there was always a question mark over like my academic ability just because I didn't have this piece of paper. And so he was like, it, 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 it then became about proving it to myself that like these people didn't have anything over me. And so he was like, so I went off and got the piece of paper that they all have. And as a like, it's not, it, it was a weird sort of like to prove that it was unnecessary. He sort of Validation. felt like he had to do it <laughs> to kind of go, yeah, well, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, I'll tell you a secret. I actually, it's not a secret now, everybody knows. But I, yeah, I was going to get thrown out of uni. So I got into uni for, well, I was doing business and I went for one year and I, I just spent so much time in the union and they basically said to me, we think we might have to throw you out. And I said, well, can yes. I just leave? And they were like, yeah. So so I left. So technically speaking, I did not get thrown out. I just decided it was I not just, for me. Education was not for me. But I, I always think it's a big, there is a big difference between consciously rejecting something <laughs> and all versus like never knowing if you could have done it 
so I always, yeah. it's, it's, I always think there's a, it's funny because people talk about like the need to put, I'm like, even when you look at a lot of the people that succeeded without a college degree, uh, actually a lot of them were college dropouts, <laughs> university dropouts versus like, and so, but yeah, there was a, there was a distance between knowing that you could do something and deciding not to. Yeah. Versus trying to kind of not go that route. It's, it's a different, um, I think it just it, it, it has a different yeah different implications. Yeah. What makes us all different? And so to sort of wrap up, I do have a question. Do you still are you still lucky to have your mom and dad with you? So uh, 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 yes, but not not. Um, it's it's my mum suffers from dementia oh. uh, and quite quite advanced. So one of the the um, it, it, and and what what was probably the hardest part of it is that like watching her go through life working really hard all of it in this kind of idea that like she was going to delay her gratification and so literally not not that long into her retirement like the dementia setting so she she now um has like near full-time care all the money she has she had saved in her life has really now gone towards paying for her care and so it for, for me the the, the idea that like you should put off enjoying life is like it, I just like you just can't do that. Like, I, I, I'm um, not knowing where things are, what will happen, and where things are going. I'm like, if you can seize the opportunity to to like live <laughs> and like enjoy yeah. the moment, then you should sort of seize it. And so I, it, it, it definitely caused me to re rebalance how I think about like like even just like saving I'm like it's so important to save for the future at the same time it's really important to to spend and enjoy what you have when you can because yeah you just yeah you just don't know when exactly well I think you've finished off with very wise words and you know sending much love to your mom and I hope she's comfortable and you know I'm sure you. you get to see her every now and then so but thank you so much I'm sure no matter what your parents your family are super proud of everything that you've achieved you know, because I, I guess although they gave you the, the dream and the vision, you're the person that, that made it happen. So so congratulations on what you do. Um, you are an amazing person. And thanks for sharing all of it today. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you.